Welcome to the New Mana Podcast, an Arch KCK production. Welcome back to New Mana, your newest favorite Catholic podcast on the Holy Eucharist. My name is Lee McMahon, your host, and I serve as consultant for evangelization at the Archdiocese of Kansas City in Kansas. But don't be fooled. If you've got a pulse, this podcast is for you. If you are hungry for more, if you are fed up with the empty promises of the world, Jesus has more for you. We have been called to communion in Christ. We've been given the mission of bringing people to Jesus and bringing revival to the church. So our title, New Manna, comes from John 6.58, where Jesus said, This is the bread which came down from heaven, not such as the Father ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Jesus is the new manna. He is the bread of life, and he gives himself totally to us in the Holy Eucharist. Holy smokes, we got an awesome episode for you today, dear listeners. We got listeners from all over the world, actually. We got people in Rome listening. I know you are. I know you are, Papa Frank. I, I hear you. Um, but first, I just want to say thanks to everybody out there who's left a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You're helping us get the word out that Jesus is alive, that he's about a good work, and that he is truly present, body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Holy Eucharist. So if you've left a review, God bless you. Thank you so much for doing that. And if you haven't, guess what? There's still time, folks. It takes like 30-ish seconds, more or less. I don't know. I don't know what it actually takes. But I'm sitting across from a very triangular and small table. From, it's very triangular. From yeah. the one and only Mr. Michael Gormley, aka Gomer. Indeed. Hello. Wow. I can't believe this. <laughs> I was I was trying to just contain it and it's like I gotta keep I gotta keep to my my stuff here. It's like I am trying just not to fangirl too much. You You're know? always welcome to it. It makes me so happy. I mean, it's not like I carry around a lock of your hair in my wallet. I mean, not anymore, at least, not, you know. So, <laughs> yeah. um, I was about to say, not yet. Not, not yet. <laughs> Wait till that becomes a third class uh, uh, relic. Although if you day. steal it while I'm sleeping in the hotel, does that count as a, as a blessed? I don't know. Mm, I don't know. One day it will be. It'll be worth something somewhere. <laughs> so I just want to start the episode off feeling your vanity a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are? Who yeah. is Gomer? Yes. Yeah. I am. Uh, yeah. Who am I? I am a daughter of the king. No. Uh, <laughs> so so I'm the mission evangelist for Paradisus Day. That's my official job title. I did 17 years in parish ministry, full time parish uh, employee. I did youth ministry, young adult ministry, campus mm. ministry um, and then adult faith formation, sacrament preparation. Then I ran the whole thing as a director of evangelization for a parish of 7,000 families. Yeah, that's no yeah. big deal. It's, yeah. a, it's twice the size of where we are today at Ascension. And Ascension's the biggest in KC, right? Mm-hmm. I yeah. think it's actually the biggest in Kansas. I think it's the biggest in the world. I think uh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> except for the, uh, the except parish. The other yep. Yeah, so 7,000 families, kind of crazy. And we have the same amount of priests that, that Ascension wow. has, two and a half. Um, you know, one of our priests has to do other mission work or other work. Um, but you start to look at it and you sit down and you map it out. My career has been bringing people in, bringing Catholics into awareness of Jesus Christ Mm. and his salvation in the church. Um, most Catholics are unevangelized, uh, are uncatechized and are poorly sacramentalized. And so you realize that they have, they, it's like they're um, living in a mansion, but they're just living in the shack in the front yard. Right. They have no idea there's there's just treasures in there. And yep. so uh, that's been my goal. Um, I've brought in about 120 Protestants into the Catholic Church in, in the last five years of running my ministry called Inclusion. It's been powerful. So that man is you is an international men's ministry. Um, Paradisus Day is the umbrella organization. They have a lot of great things. I did not know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Paradisus Dei, which is Latin for Paradise of God, is they we do missionaries to the family where we train. Like if you're a, a devout Roman Catholic and you love being married and you love, you, you have anything in your heart to like heal marriages or you realize that it's fertile ground for evangelization, hmm. um, we train you, put you on two, two-ish retreats. Uh, and you get theological training from the faculty of University of Notre Dame. Like it's incredible the hmm. stuff that 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 they do, that Mike has built up over the years. And within that, uh, then we send you out to your home parish. Like you don't mm. travel, you go to your home parish and you work alongside the marriage and family people, the cool. wedding prep people, and you do evangelization of married couples. And um, Love that. yeah, so I mostly work for the That Man Is You side. So That Man Is You, 865 plus parishes, English and Spanish. Um, we're now in the Netherlands, so we're intercontinental. Um, yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. So weekly men's ministry, most places do it at like six o'clock in the morning mm-hmm. and you leave at seven so you can get to work on time. And it's uh, powerful. All, all the men that go to it, they all end up saying the same thing, which is 
why didn't I know this stuff when I was younger? Yeah. So it's good formation for men, whether you're a husband so or a father. So it's formative, yeah. mainly. Like that man is used more. Is, yeah. it's, it's less like camaraderie, more just a formative yeah. peer-to-peer formation. Is that? So we do, we supply videos and they're incredible. Uh, gotcha. And then uh, you do that for 30 minutes and then you do small group for 30 minutes. So gotcha. It's a very, it's a, we try to make it as turnkey as possible yeah. so that the men who uh, run it don't feel overwhelmed. Like they have to produce stuff all the time and all this. Yeah. We do core team trainings. We do it remotely. We give you manuals we do it in our actually the coolest thing every summer we host a core training on oh, our, cool. at our facilities nice. in houston and it's awesome because you have men who have like it's like a retreat and yeah. they have conversion experiences they meet lifelong friends there so for me to be a part of it since may 8th i quit my job on may 8th started on june 1st mm-hmm. may 8th being archbishop fulton sheen's birthday hey cool yeah uh I am just so blessed. And so they basically just pay me to travel around that I was already doing. Mm-hmm. And I do more men's conferences for them. I do parish missions. Um, and I do what I'm doing right now, which is making So this is under your, this is not like a side gig anymore? So it's kind of funny. It's It kind of is and kind of isn't. Mm-hmm. So they promote me. Yeah. And then I promote me <laughs> yep. to go do this stuff. Right. And then uh, the, I, it just turned out that when I was traveling doing parish missions, more than half, I'd say probably three quarters of them were that man is you parishes mm. and you know it's a it's a lot of the big um big nation nationwide um ministries like life team yeah, and yeah. that man is you and stuff there's like these overlapping things and then you know I, and i'm kind of involved in a lot of those camps cool and so yeah i've been doing this and i love it and i have podcasts catching foxes and every knee shall bow and yeah i'm starting another one on the liturgy called the becoming god podcast sweet provocative title yes and uh yeah and one on philosophy that'll be coming out soon called a practiced life how many do you have in the bank before you uh, uh you, i try to do six you yeah. try to do six because most podcasts die by episode six or eight really yeah hmm. what are you guys I, on uh so this is 50 this will be 52 53 mm. this will be 53 and you're going to be one of the last three Ooh. Oh yeah. Spoiler deal listener. We're going to be transitioning into, we're going to be starting a new podcast. Love your thoughts on the title name. Uh, name for it is um, to be determined, but the new podcast is going to be about mission. So like, what does it look like to be doing mission well as church together in our homes, like in our you yeah. know, family to family? The domestic mission. Yeah. Like yeah. what's that look like for people who aren't salaried by the church? Mm-hmm. Like it's good to get people on who are salaried by the church, by parishes, by dioceses, you know, real pros, if you will. But like, what does it look like? Take it back home. Yeah. You know, what's it look like on your street, like with your neighbors and your family members? What's that actually look like? That's kind of going to be the, the the central focus. Yeah. I want to just bring people in who are just championing that. Nice. Uh, what's, what's it look like to do mission well uh, in your sphere of influence? So I think that's so important. Um, because the priests all know, if the priests have read Vatican II, they know that the lay people have a secular vocation. We are the worldly vocation. Mm-hmm. To so sanctify the, the world. To sanctify the world. Yeah. So they're expecting us to do the evangelization to be on mission. Right. But we're like, well, I'm not a professional Catholic. That's your job. Yeah. And so we're waiting on the priests to go out and evangelize. Mm-hmm. And then the funny thing is no one evangelizes. And so we're just pointing at each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like that Spider-Man <laughs> yeah. meme where they're both pointing at each other. Yeah. 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 So for me, um, this is also kind of like a big, a big transition for me. Um, I'm actually... Uh, I'm not leaving the ministry world. I'm still doing my ministry things. Mm-hmm. I have all these like side hustle stuff that's yeah. kind of annoying, but it's all church related. But I realize that a lot of men, especially older men, more established in their yeah. careers, 50s, 60s, still working. Um, many of them discount the message that I bring hmm. because they see me as a church worker. Right. And it's like, well, you don't know what real life is like. You get paid to do this. It's easy for you to say. I, I People don't realize this. The authentic voice of men who are living their lives just like everyone else, they're they're the ones who have the most credibility, not church workers. Yeah. I have an expertise that sometimes people can appreciate, but most of the time they're just like, what are you, you yeah. punk? You know, so uh, and I've actually had people say that to me. Um, so now I'm getting into uh, in, I'm taking a sales position and uh, uh, a management position, uh, part-time, very part-time, in a roofing company. Mm, and which I, one? Uh, <laughs> Petrus Roofing and we don't Solar. Have, I won't conclude that. It's fine. Oh, no, it's so beautiful because we're not in your market anyway. But uh, <laughs> if you happen to have a, a, a ranch in Texas, let me be your roofer. I've um, got the roof for you. But it's cool because we're all framed around Catholic social justice principles. Oh, cool. We're all, fr- I mean, it, it is, it's called Petrus because it's it's all about the rock. And uh 
So like our goal, like my goal is to be a tent maker like St. Paul. Yeah. Uh, St. Paul, for those of you who don't know, he was an evangelist. He was an apostle. He did all this stuff. He established churches. And he's the one that when um, greedy pastors want to steal money from their congregations, mm -hmm. right? What they say, well, the labor is worth his wages mm -hmm. and all this stuff. And St. Paul was using those comments. But then he said, but I never took money from you because yeah. I made tents. Yeah. I supported myself. I never took a dime from you so you could know that I'm 100% authentic. And I started listening to that and... Um, I want to be a man who's a tent maker that, uh, that I'm in the trenches of ordinary secular life. Yeah. And I'm, you know, I'm doing the thing. I'm going to sales calls. I'm getting doors slammed in my face. I have to deal with that and come mm -hmm. home and love my family. And, right. and I want that to be, um, a beautiful model for men that I work with. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Yeah. Like that's, that sounds really challenging. It's a, it's a recent conviction. So yeah. St. Paul is now like, Numero one oh in my life. I'm yeah. from Texas. That's Spanish. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah, Spanish, rather. <laughs> no, that's great. I feel like there's some, um, I feel like we're kind of of the same cloth right there. Like, you know, it's actually my wife who kicked me off of the the boat, if you will, and was like, hey, if you want to have another baby, great, but you need to make more money first. I'm like, mm. that's fair, because, you know, I was making like $33,000 a year working youth ministry oh, yeah. in Missouri, and praise the Lord. And um, so I, I... On the other, just on the, like, Missouri... Yes. Kansas City side? Yes, KC okay. Mo. Yeah, misery, as we like to, <laughs> like to call it. No, so I was over there working, you know, I mean, it was almost like minimum wage, salary mm -hmm. though, and... Uh, uh, you you map that out hourly, the amount of hours that a youth It was pretty close. I mean, I, I looked up the, the federal, Oof. like, uh, poverty level, mm -hmm. and it was just like a couple grand off, so... Yeah, you're aspirational close. to federal poverty level. Right, yeah, yeah, it was pretty close. Yeah. Anyway, um, you know, started, um, I'm like, okay, what can I do from anywhere... Um, for for everybody, you know, and I was like, well, I could get good at making websites, and um, I can do video pretty well, and I I just you know YouTube's a great teacher, um, and some some of the things were kind of more intuitive to me, but before you know it, I've got my own huge side gig, and I've actually got clients all over the world now for website, and um, I don't people aren't flying me out to do video and stuff, but I, I'm currently doing a, a job for a, a local, well, it's not local, it's a national um, development corporation uh, doing some website and. Um, video stuff for them. It's just like, wow. You know, one of my clients is Shamrock Roofing and uh, Construction. They're a, a national roofing company as well. So I was like, what are the odds? But, what uh, are the odds? What are the odds that I'm just about to launch mm -hmm. uh, the solar side and we want a standalone website for that? Mm -hmm. And now you're going to be the guy. Hey, happy to help. What's the what's the company called? What's your so company? it's just LeeMCM.com. LeeMCM.com. Yeah, 50, 53 episodes in, finally got to the shameless Self-promotion plug, <laughs> finally. This is really why we're all here. Can um, I tell you something funny about that? Sure. I want to tell you something funny about that. Okay, so I am always filled with guilt, fear, and shame mm. about self-promotion. Mm. Um, and I never do. I like I I, I started my uh, website layevangelist.com, and people said, well, why don't you just give it your name, like michaelgormley.com sure. or michaelgormley.church or whatever. And I said, because I don't want to promote myself. I want to promote what I do and mm. these things and blah, blah, blah. Maybe it'll become bigger than me and sure. blah, blah. Um, I had just done a priest convocation for the Diocese of Charleston, hmm. which is the, also the whole state. And um, I, I give these four talks, hour and, hour and 15 minutes each, on youth ministry. Hmm. After the third talk, which was my favorite, called The Six Failures, basically The Six Failures of You Priests uh, <laughs> with Youth Ministry. And I said the title, and I was standing oh, in the front, and I had a 10-foot walk to the podium, nice. and I'd walked really slowly as like, <laughs> like any, any you can rocks? hear it yeah, cabbage flying forward oh man it was awesome actually the bishop asked me for my last talk maybe not so many rocks this time okay but uh this guy the priest came up to me and he goes you have no idea how much you just improved my youth ministry program this week mm. and when i started hearing it, it dawned on me like there's so many people that need what i have yeah and if i can help them grow right. and do the thing and give them what they want like, why would I, why would I hide that? Why sure. I'm like, I'm so bashful. Mm -hmm. But people, I mean, like there are so many legit businesses that, that are struggling. You know, everyone can start a Facebook page and then Mark Zuckerberg changes the rules and their whole yeah. livelihood is destroyed. So yeah. having a web presence is such an important thing for every ministry. It's your yeah. front door. It's 24 seven. It's your face. It's your face yeah. that they can stare at for 24 hours exactly. a day. Uh, yeah. So it better be a good one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it's like we. I, I just redid the the missionaries of charity fathers branch, like their oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. their website. I just redid the. Well, I've I've given them the pieces to 
all the templates. It's all it's all done. The uh, servants of the pure hearts of Jesus and Mary. Oh, I love them. Aren't they fun? Oh my goodness. We use uh, one of the one of the women, Sister uh, Alicia, is mm. in our um, videos for the Mysteries of the Rosary. Cool. Yeah. I mean, she's so we did the same. We had a Dominican friar. We had me, and we had her, Sister nice. Alicia. And even no one wanted to listen to me or the Dominican friar. No one like he's given high theology. Yeah. I'm talking practicals. And she's just like, this is what it's like to love our Lord Jesus in the Eucharist. Let's go. And even the Dominican, by the end of it, we're all just sitting yeah, there, you know, with yeah. our hands yeah. and like, just keep talking. Yep. <laughs> exactly right. Exactly right. So it's been a, it's been That's a real awesome. blessing to, to do that. And look at these. You know what they call this in the business world? Synergy. Synergy. <laughs> Welcome back to New Man. We should probably talk about the Eucharist. Oh, I can do that, too. I know you were raised in a Catholic household. Yeah. Gomer, take me back to the beginning. What's your story of falling in love with Christ? Yeah. So let me just say this. My family set a great example of what it means to be a faithful parent, what it means to be a faithful couple. Like my mom and dad are awesome. Mm. My mom and dad are awesome when it comes to the faith and they imparted it. We prayed the scriptural rosary every night mm -hmm. with my dad's black Knights of Columbus rosary. Yep. You knew you arrived when he handed it to you and you're like, I have to say the Apostles Creed as like a six year old, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, so we all had an experience of prayer, like a strong experience of prayer. My parish was a Polish Capuchin Franciscan mission church. And the reason how it found itself out to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma was uh, 50 years prior during World War II, they were locked in Nazi concentration camps. Wow. And a group of U.S. Army uh, soldiers um, liberated the camp and they found mm. it there from Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. Wow. They had never heard of it, so they said, we will we will come out of a debt of gratitude and serve your people. Wow. So they got permission, landed in Galveston Island, uh, hitchhiked to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma. As got, Franciscans do. As Franciscans do. Utter poverty. Yeah. Um, and then they built a 10-foot by 10-foot wide church on wow. the site of the land that they would eventually buy, where I was baptized, where me and all my brothers were baptized, all cool. this stuff. And uh, the amazing thing about it, was about two weeks after they built that thing, the Ku Klux Klan started burning crosses in their front yard. They were Polish immigrants. They were Catholic. And um, and now it's like it has a huge K-8 through school. Hmm. It's it's a it's a thriving. Now it's a diocesan parish from the Franciscans. Praise God. Left. But the, these priests, they had the Nazi tattoos on their arm of the, their yeah, numbers. the numbers. Wow. And so they these were the priests that raised me. I mean, they were deeply inspiring, holy men of God. Wow. I was the altar server at, at their funerals. I remember taking right after the bishop was me, hmm. taking a handful of dirt and you throw it on the lower wow. casket. So I had tons of inspiration, um, a seriousness about the liturgy, seriousness about the sacraments, intellectual about the faith, but also very practical. Hmm. And then um, when I moved to Texas, I was involved in a life team program and uh, we went on this retreat in Denver, Colorado. My girlfriend broke up with me in the second day we were I'm sorry. There. Yeah, that was rough. That was rough for a little teenage Michael Gormley. Couldn't mm -hmm. find a way out. I'm like, oh, trapped. I'm trapped. <laughs> ah, every day I have to see you. Yep. But the last day, what the last evening was adoration. Mm. And I remember I was always very prim and proper in all of my um, piety, mostly for show. And uh, I remember people kept talking about this one redneck youth group from the Dallas, from the Dallas area kept talking about Song of Songs. And I was like, what the heck, that weird romantic book in the Bible? So I sat down in front of the Eucharist, five feet from it, in the dirty gym that we're in. Mm. And I opened up the Bible, the Song of Songs, and I said, Lord, I'm not going to move until you move me. And I read for four hours. I just read the Song of Songs. When I got to chapter eight, started over at chapter one. Mm. And I read it over and over. So I finished Song of Songs about 20 times. And something about chapter two stood out to me. So I read that about 40 times. And... There was, it was, I was halfway through reading it, probably my 10th time, and it was as if Jesus, this is going to sound weird, but like directly illumined my mind and said, like, I'm saying this to you. Hmm. You know, hark my lover, here he comes, springing over the mountains, leaping over the hills. My mm -hmm. lover's like a gazelle or a young stag. And it's this beautiful, weird, archaic imagery. Yeah. But to me, it was like, yeah, you, you've surrounded yourself with these mountains of mortal sin and valleys of venial sin, and I just step over them. Like you think you're safe from my love, I just step over. Yeah, you can't trap me. Yeah, I will. Yeah, yeah. And um, and I was going through a really difficult time, not just because my girlfriend broke up with me and mm. I was very moody, but my my life was not well at that time. A lot of static at home, a lot of depression that, you know, it was undiagnosed because Gormleys don't go to doctors. And uh, I think Americans, yeah, we don't have problems. Yeah, we, 
you're the one with the problem. I don't have a problem. <laughs> and, uh, but it was at this moment where this interior illumination mm. and I was just like, oh, this is not only is this real, but you love me. Yeah. And it was in front of the blessed sacrament and I never, never doubted, never turned. Um, wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Song of songs of all things. Yeah. Of all things. That's so beautiful. Wow. Yeah. It's weird. Can I tell you, here's a funny story. So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I read the song of songs and um, there's a Texas youth group with a Texas youth minister and the, the kids are all like stereotypical Texans. So they're all football players. Boots. They're all 500 pounds. They all got boots and cowboy hats and boots and straps and cowboy <laughs> hats. And, uh, and Billy Bob was one of the guys. And he talks, he was telling me, he's like, oh yeah, our youth minister is really big in the song of songs about Christ loving us and all this stuff and blah, blah, blah. And there was this line where it said, um, his left arm embraces me, his right hand is under my head. Mm -hmm. And so it's like this, uh, this embrace. And it's like a very sweet thing. And uh, this girl, um, and, and this is a very bizarre youth ministry thing, but the guy was giving a talk and like, you don't even know how to be human to each other. And this is before mm -hmm. cell phones. So he was talking about how do you give a handshake? How do you hug someone? Yeah. And so he was bringing people up and showing them like, how do you talk to people? How do you do this stuff? Mm -hmm. And it was a very funny, like weird talk. And he said, um, let, let me show you how to hug someone. And he hugged this girl. This girl came up and he just gave her a hug and he put his hand under her head and his other hand embraced her. Mm -hmm. And the whole football team just freaked out. And they're like, dude, that's how they do the song of songs. And it was this funny moment. But then I huh. went and talked to that girl later. And I was like, why, were, why was everyone yelling? She goes, oh, I don't know. They're not my youth group. And she said, but you have no idea what that meant for me. Mm. And I was like, what? And she said, I was, I, <laughs> horrible life circumstance. But sure. she just said, I was praying that whole morning that someone would just give me a hug because I felt so alone. Hmm. And then out of the 400 people there, he's like, yeah. you there, come up here, in, wow. out of the middle of a crowd. And so I was like, there's something weird with this song of songs. Prophetic hug. A prophetic hug. Who would have thought? Oh, man, don't tell the axe retreat guys back in my old parish because they <laughs> hug you just turning in the application for the retreat. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> wonderful. Oh, man. Um, so what's it look like? for you today? What's your relationship with the Lord look like in the Eucharist today? I mean, not just with respect to the Eucharist, but like yeah. on a, on a daily basis, like as a father, as a family man, yep. someone who travels, like what's that look like? <sighs> so me and my wife wake up every morning around 545. I get up about 15 minutes before her, get things rolling. She comes down the stairs at 6 a.m. Uh, she, she just finished the catechism in a year with father Mike Schmidt. Cool. Now she's, so I'm a Bible guy. I studied under Dr. Scott Hahn. I love all this stuff. She has never really been like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. she, she's a proof texter. Give me the, the hallmark Bible verses. Sure. And hashtag bless on Instagram. Um, <laughs> but uh, she has decided that she wants to take this more seriously. Mm. And she has always been devoted to lectionary reading and Sunday reading. So we have been doing the Bible in a year together. Cool. And uh, what I do is what I encourage everyone to do. So I have a notebook. I have a pen that I like. And I open up to the Gospel of Luke, and I read through. And sometimes I'll write down every verse, every mm. word. Sometimes, and I just take. I'll read a chapter. Yeah. Uh, and then I'll go through and just take a section at a time. Mm. And I will go until I'm done, until I feel like I'm done. Yeah. And I just I ask myself one question: What is happening here? And I just observe. I have read the Gospel of Luke several times, but now, like, so often we want to jump to interpretation. Yeah. Before interpretation, we need to do observation. So I just, I truly believe Christians are jerks because they forget Jesus. Yeah. Right? Like they look at their life, there's well order, whether it used to be chaos, they have a conversion experience, whatever. And then they think, I did this for me. I did this for myself. Mm -hmm. And it's like, no, the Lord did. He rescued you. Yeah. And you forget that now. And now you're a jerk and you look down at people who are where you were 20 years ago. Yeah. And so I don't want to be that guy. And I realize, like, when you start studying the saints and stuff, like, a lot of them have conversions when they, like, like St. Athanasius, the, the, the. Exiled four times. Yeah. One of the greatest theologians of the church, Desert yeah. Father, he walked in one day to mass and they were already doing the readings and he heard, go sell you have and give to the poor. And his parents just died. He left him a fortune. He was taking care of his sister. Yeah. So he's like, here's money for a caregiver. All the rest I'm giving to a poor I'm sister out. you're going to be taken care of. I'm mm -hmm. going to the desert. And man, we can't all do that, nor should we. That's not our vocation. Right. But uh, the gospel is radical. And yeah. we we have paired the claws of the Lion of Judah to domesticate the deity in all the wrong ways. Yeah. And I, so that's what I do. So I belong to the ordinary of the chair of St. Peter. I don't know if you're familiar with that at all. I'm not. 
but I've seen the chair of St. Peter. <laughs> it's nice. It's, it's very nice. It's very, very white. Nice. Very cool. Yeah. Being lifted up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the Ordinariate, uh, there are three of them in the world, mm. the, the UK area, North America, and then Australia, New Zealand. It's for converts from the Church of England. So Anglicanism, uh, right. Episcopalianism, Methodism. Right. People right. don't realize Methodists were a branch. The founders were Anglican priests. Mm. So um, because of uh, the the shenanigans with wokeism, LGBT plus issues, um, the ordination of women, the ordination of practicing sure. uh, homosexual, gay, you know, married. Yeah, go down the people. list. Yeah, because of that, in the Anglican Church, that's now allowed mm. all across the board. Um, thousands of Anglicans are converting back to right. Roman Catholicism. Right. So since JP two to today, they have created like, well, when you convert, when Protestants become Catholic, we want you to bring the very best of your Protestant background with you. Right. Like we want to enrich the church with the jewels of your denomination, your experience, your yeah. background, your whatever. And we all know Protestants who are amazing, Christ-loving people. And you're mm -hmm. like, I wish I was better with scripture. I wish I had a devotional life. I wish I was better at discipleship. Yeah. And so the the idea from Pope J, um, from St. Pope John Paul II was, well, what are their treasures? And mm -hmm. part of it is the English language and sacred music and sacred yeah. liturgy. So when the church went from the Latin mass to the vernacular in the sixties, in the English speaking world, there was no repertoire of English sacred music. It was all right. Latin. Right. Well, for 500 years, the Anglican church kept the Catholic notion of sacredness, sacramentality, liturgy, yeah. but wanted it in English. And so that was the amazing thing is we have 500 years of of beautiful solemn choral you know music right. that is written for the English language. Mm -hmm. If you take the Latin, you translate it into English, and you keep the same Latin tune, you, you end up hanging out with weird word like weird prepositions, like mm. you're oving for a while. Mm. Of like, sure, sure. And so the the redoing and the recontextualizing of it. Yeah. So the ordinary it was set up to help Protestants who belong to the Anglican patrimony yeah. to convert and to find a home. Yeah. And Pope Francis has allowed more people. So we have full liturgy. Yeah. So our masses, our sacraments, our weddings, funerals, right. all of that. The celebration of all. And now even the liturgy of the hours is it belongs to the ordinary. So I formally cool. belong to them. Oh, yeah. so you pray the, the liturgy every day. Liturgy of the hours. Uh, I do. You, so that's part of my devotion too. Is I use I use the uh, the cop out version, the yeah. the slim down for laity version. Sure, sure. Not the shorter Christian prayer. That's even longer. Just the main prayers and the. Right. And the canticles of the day, and but stuff. you haven't made like vows or promises to no, the bishop. No, no. Okay, cool. no, no, no. It's just uh, a devotion. Right, right, right. Yeah. So I, I belong to him. He. So instead of geographical ordinary, it's like King right. City, you know, whatever. It's personal. So it's like a military diocese. And so you and and we have um, we do Ascension Thursday on ah. Thursday. So I ha I'm obligated under him, no matter where I am in the world, to go to mass that day. Yeah, I understand. So it's a jurisdiction, more yeah. or less. Cool. Yeah. It's a, it's a club, basically. It's a club. Yeah, <laughs> no. it's a click. It's a click. But they're doing the Eucharistic revival hard. Their yeah. videos are beautiful. Good, good. Yeah, clergy, laity alike, like they're doing. More of that. Bring yeah. it on. Yeah. Come on. So you belong to the ordinariate, mm -hmm. and you, you pray with your wife every morning. That's, that's wonderful. And read the gospel every morning. Right. And I was just, get, uh, I wanted to honor you because I don't know how many years ago it was now. It was like three, four, maybe five. I don't know how old. EKSB is. Um, yeah, but, four years, almost five now. Yeah, so I, I don't know when it happened, but you and um, Van Vickle, Dave, Yeah. the, you know, pick your nickname. I love that you do this that. Morning, this morning at 7 a.m., I gave him Dave Ankle Strength Van Vickle. I love that. And he's like, what the heck is that? And I was like, it was on a guy's t-shirt when I was getting coffee in the lobby. Praise <laughs> the Lord. Um, if for some reason, Dave, you're listening to this, uh, just thank you. Just thank you. Yeah. Um, but you guys were talking on an episode and you were discussing like, your, um, I mean, you, you express how like you were really moved by someone else and what they did and it like changed the way that you did something. You did that a lot. And I love that. And you were talking about, uh, I, you know, I just, I want to know the, I want to know Jesus better. I want to know his word better. And you just started reading the gospels like each day, chronologically getting to the end and then starting over. Yeah. And I've been doing that ever since. Nice. So every morning I get up and I just read a chapter or two yeah. of, of whatever gospel I'm happen I happen to be in. Like today it was Luke chapter 12 such a good chapter like it, and it's just it keeps me in the word it yeah. keeps me in the word it keeps me knowing and hearing his voice and seeing things through his eyes and uh, really just it it takes lee's lens and it makes it more into jesus's lens right and i think that's kind of the goal that's yeah. one of the that's one of the goals of theosis mm -hmm. of um yeah what am i trying to say come do, on, you, do you talk about theosis here 
Yeah. Nice. Yeah. The the podcast that I'm doing on liturgy is called the Becoming right. God podcast because we want to reintroduce theosis as a component of like understanding liturgy, understanding all of Christianity, but also understanding liturgy. It's 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 revitalized my faith. Like when I when I think about what God has called me to, yeah, mortal sin becomes a lot less appetizing, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because it's like, okay, so you could have this illicit pleasure or you could become God. <laughs> like, That's yeah. pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Same thing, like even in the end of the day, mm-hmm. when energy is spent, no, you know, I just, I just want to like veg. Mm-hmm. <sighs> that same thought runs through my mind every single day. It's yeah. like, do I want to become more transformed into the image of his only begotten son? Yeah. Do I want that? Or do I want to veg out yeah. and just like turn my brain into sludge? Mm-hmm. more it's a flip of the coin right now each day but <laughs> but i want to want it more yeah you know I, I want to want the lord more and more and more and i mean what better way than to to put ourselves in the presence of his holy body and blood in the eucharist yeah. um yeah so what about your kids how do you how do you lead prayer as dad so this is a new evolution so okay i'll, t- I'll tell you how i've, I've been doing it. Yeah, pretext. Yeah. Pretext, so the the main thing is I, I love the rosary. I love the scriptural rosary. Um I know how hard it can be for little kids to sit still and blah blah blah. So ages of your kids right now? Uh 13, 12, 10, and 8. Cool. So when they were really, really little, basically our goal was and our father Hail Mary and a glory be. Yeah. Because if you can do that, you can do the rosary. So we would pray that as their brains turned to mush, you know, mm-hmm. okay, we're done. And then uh, I taught them that in English and in Latin. Um, because I just wanted them to know that, right? Yeah. I wanted them to have that in their in their repertoire. And so we would pray together as a family. We'd pray a decade of the rosary as they got older, sure. pray the rosary, do the scriptural rosary, um, different devotions. So one of the things that I wanted to instill in them is not just rote, memorized prayer. Yeah. So let's say I was about to leave for a weekend gig. Um I would do what I call the holy huddle. I don't call it that out loud because they think I'm a nerd. But um, I bring them in and then I pray over them individually, yeah. spontaneously. Or there'll be times where I will go through the the St. Gregory prayer book and I'll go to the, which is the ordinary of prayers, and I'll go into the prayer for Compline or or Vespers. Sure. And I'll pray evening prayer with them. And I'm I want them to feel the rhythm, feel the ride, cool runnings of the liturgical life. And I want the liturgical life to blend into home life. But then I want them to understand that they have their own prayer language that they need to develop with the Lord. Mm -hmm. And so I want them to see me praying from the heart. Yeah, I want them to see me praying scriptures. So my goal right now, um, there's a wonderful book. It's, It's funny. The book is okay. The podcast about the book that it was a one hour, hour and a half podcast on the art of manliness. Mm. It's called The Intentional Father. Hmm. It's written by an evangelical, non-denominational pastor. Cool. Draws on a ton of Catholic sources. But it's like, when my son is 13, I'm his discipler. Yeah. And he's my 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 disciple. And I'm going to invest in him. And he, it's radical, the stuff hmm. that he does. But every So he does a, an initiation ritual that takes a full year. But it, it has these like huge tentpole moments. Hmm. And then every morning, he wakes his son up. And does a Bible study with him before he sends him to school. Every day. Every day. Holy smokes. And so the idea is like, well, so think about this in the context of a tribe. Yeah. Right? The men formed the boys right. into men. So there was a moment where the boys were children and they belonged to their mothers. Yep. Then a transition moment happens. Mm-hmm. And then they do an initiation ritual. And then it's up to the men of the tribe to form the boys into the men. Right. Now we don't have that. We have peers forming peers into dysfunctional peers. And anyone who hears this, I don't care where you are in the Western world, that's our problem. Yeah. Boys are not taught how to be men by men. They're taught how to be men by other boys. And the same with women. And culture. Yeah. 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 And But see, that's the thing is our culture is a youth culture. Youth culture dominates our culture. Mm-hmm. And so when we let our kids go to school and we let our kids go to sports programs, we let our kids go to after school activities, yeah. and then we give them a smartphone with a social media Never. and all this stuff, they're always connected to their peers. Yeah. Now, there's an element that's totally fine and healthy about that. They're peers. They're, they're their friends. They're not friends with my kids. I love my kids. Yeah. But I am not their best buddy, and I don't want to be. Yeah. 
you are until a certain point. Yeah. And then it's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the hardest thing for my wife because that certain point is when they're children. Yeah. And that's where they're with mommy. And, you know, um, and you, you can't underestimate the power of hormones that bond you to your child while you're breastfeeding yeah. and, you know, you're you're pregnant. But for men, we're outside of all of that. Yeah. Thank God. <laughs> but our relationship with our children has to be earned. Yeah. And it's not a given. And that's why the, Oedip- the Oedipal complex is real. Like my sons want to kill me and marry my wife. Right. That yeah. kind of like. The Freudian thing, but there, it's like I see my wife desires them. She says things like, "Oh, never grow up," and she cries every time she sees pictures of them as little kids. And I, you know, I get choked up in that stupid Facebook. Like, remember this memory from eight years ago? Like, now I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but I, I, I began to see like I'm so excited to see who they're going to become. Yeah. And who they are right now, like, is so exciting to me. Yeah. So my goal through the intentional father, like, so I got the book and I read through it. And I'm like, oh man, this is less intense because I think he's selling a package than what he actually did for his son. Yeah, he had his mother, his wife, take the boy out to a severance meal. That's mm-hmm. what they called it. Whoa! And she's like, I'm handing you over to your father. And they had a beautiful like two hour meal, and it was very powerful. And then wow, dad showed up in a van with three of his buddies and they're like grabbed him from the meal and they drove and there was he had buddy it was like straight out of if you ever see the movie i'm not recommending it old school where that's oh like they tried gosh. to form an adult yeah. fraternity but that's what he's like i can't be a father alone i need yeah. other men who are better than me at stuff and so i'm like yeah i got the men in my life that i want my like if these men poured their lives into my sons yeah they will be amazing men yeah and so you know brian and keaton and like all these guys that i have in my life i'm like i'm so privileged yeah so i want that so i begin to do this thing so i'm talking to my wife and i'm like you need to form katiri my oldest Mm -hmm. 13 you need to form her the bible is very clear older women form the younger women yeah older men form the younger men so i'm looking at this and i'm trying to be like how can we do this strategically mm. in our family how can i support you in it so this this uh this lent it begins with my wife and our daughters Ooh. so uh she has purchased blessed is she is a wonderful catholic organization right they make very beautiful prayer stuff and so she got That's pretty these, yeah yeah they got these prayer journals for kids mm. or teenagers and my daughters always want to be treated like adults and blah 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 mm-hmm. so i was like okay you're gonna be treated like an adult you're gonna wake up and every day during Lent, you and your mother, and just you two and your mother, are going to have this time together. It's game time. Yeah. And let me tell you, they were so mad. They didn't want to do it. It was so demoralized my wife. I was out at that event. I, I go, give the girls your phone and send them upstairs. Mm. I need to talk to them. Man, I laid into them. I so mad. I was so upset at how they like what they said. Yeah. I like I like strained my neck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I must have looked like a psychopath. I was out walking and I'm like, "Girl, do you have any idea what your mother did? All you want to be is treated like an adult. She's going to treat you like an adult." And you threw it back at her face because you don't want to. And I'm like, "This is what it means to be an adult. You have to do things you don't want to do, but they're good." And they realized this and they, you know, they apologized to my wife and all mm. this stuff. But when I got home, they were like, Dad, we looked at the books on our own and actually we're excited. And mm. I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Thank yeah. you, Jesus. Yeah. Like, it's so hard because kids are so apathetic and it's not entertainment. Kids just want to be entertained. Yeah. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So you're starting that or it happened last year? No, this is the first year for my wife okay. and, and our daughters. So the preview just happened. So you just, yeah. trained, is your neck strained as we speak? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Okay. And then, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then my, my boys who are 10 and 8. They're a little too young, but they're also the ones who wake up first in the family. Mm-hmm. The girls always sleep in. And so for me and the boys, they're younger. I don't think they're they're at the level of being able to sit and reflect. Right. And I don't care to for them. So what we're going to do is walking rosaries every day in Lent. We're going to walk around my neighborhood, rain or cool. shine. And we're just going to pray together and have that time together and goof off together. Cool. And I'm going to shove them in a drain or whatever. I love that. Yeah. And then when they when my son becomes 13... This is what we'll do. Mm. His Lent when he's 13 will be his initiation into the world of men. Mm. You know, I Something I've started doing, and I, I totally want to do what you're talking about. Uh, something I did was uh, I got, an, I got a, a duplicate of like my Bible. Um, I just got a new RSV and I'm like copying all of my, all the notes that I got, you know, from my, my, my limited scope, like my master's in theology, whatever, mm. like just all my little things, right? You know, the Dr. Sri said or Dr. Yeah. Gray said or whatever from the, the Augustine Institute. And it's like, 
when I, you know, when he turns whatever age, I'm not sure yet, but like, I, I just want to give that to him. Yeah. Because I, something I've heard a lot is from, from older, uh, older like men in the faith is that they get, they get to a point where they're no longer able to like speak into the, their like children and their grandchildren's lives. Yeah. But they, they, they just want to give them everything that they've, they've learned and that they know. And so to an extent, like this is going to be a, a, uh, a micro version of that. Yeah. Like my son, all my sons, my, my kids, all my kids are going to grow up knowing like their father's heart. And, um, yeah, some of them's going to be like spiritual reflections on like in the margins or whatever, but some of them's going to be like, oh, this word Kairos actually doesn't mean just like the time outside of time. It actually means like a specific and appointed time. And it's like, oh, that that's helpful. That actually helps mm. me interpret, yep. you know, this, um, what's the going on. The fullness of time. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, what's cool about that? My wife bought a note-taking Bible, mm. the Ignatius Press RSV note-taking Bible. And she didn't get the Ascension Press Bible Timeline Bible sure. that I use because my podcast is with Ascension, and they send it to me for free. Nice. She stole my catechism. That's that's cash money. But uh, they, uh, she, I said, Yo, don't you want this? Like it's beautiful. It's really well done. Right. She said, I need notes that can be taken in the Bible that has a margin. Mm-hmm. She's like, that's what I want. And the RSV, it's really small print. Yeah. Uh, so that the Bible's not unwieldy in in its width because it's just it's three right. columns. One is just for notes, and the other two are the mm, scripture. Okay. And she said, because one day I want to be able to hand it on. Yeah. And Jeff Cavins, a famous Bible scholar, all that stuff, who started the Great Adventure Bible mm-hmm. Timeline stuff, he has gone through so many Bibles. But what he does is he buys it with one intention, mm. which is I'm going to give this to my daughter on the day of her wedding. Mm. And so he, and he has, I think he has three daughters. And so he's gone through it, all of his notes, yeah. but he reads the Bible front to back, you know, five times all a year. The time, yeah. So he has these Bibles and that's one of their gifts. Cool. And so it's like, how awesome is that to see like, oh, he lived this. Yeah. He lived Gosh, this. Yeah. Just to be the overflow, like a fruit of that overflow of yeah. that indwelling. He actually has this bit on his show where he, when he has a guest, he says, now show me your Bible. Mm. I want I want people to see how you take notes. He, yeah. Do you use pen or do you use pencil? I say I use pencil, and he goes, "Oh, so you can change your mind later." And I'm like, <laughs> "All right, all right." I use four point three eight G two pilots. So like the the you know I'm talking about the the ink pens, the super small one yeah. that you can really get in there. And um, yeah, you point gotta, point two eight point three eight three. So I think it's the smallest. So I like point seven yeah. for note writing. Mm-hmm. But man, those gel pens, man. Here, I'll the, show you. I'll, I'll show you off the off the. I got a .5. I'm enjoying it. Right. Wow. Let's look at that. Oh, yeah. You can really get in there. Yeah, just take a peek. Oh, this is beautiful. Jeff Cavins would be so proud of you. Love you, Jeff. Um, What... Would you, what advice would you share with anybody who's on the fence? I love this. With respect but to you. You need to take a photo, put that on Instagram, say uh, hashtag blessed. Okay. Okay, <laughs> fine. Okay, what? What advice would you give to anybody who's on the fence with respect to the Eucharist? Like either they haven't had this this hmm. intellectual wow, aha moment, or it makes sense, or it clicks, but the heart moment either. Like what, what advice would you give to anybody out there like that? My... Look at the book of Genesis. Look at the story of the fall. It involved four things, right? A man, a woman, the serpent, and the fruit of the tree. When you look at the story of the fall, and then you look at the story of our redemption, what does it involve? It involves the man, the new man, Jesus Christ. It involves the woman, you could say the Blessed Virgin Mary, but the church, his bride, of which she is the perfect icon. It involves the devil, right? And you see him th- working through all of his political actors, whether it's Caiaphas, Annas, mm-hmm. uh, Pontius Pilate, everyone, the soldiers. Um, and then you see the tree, which is the cross. And then you see what is the fruit of the tree? And the fruit of the tree is nothing less than, nothing other than the Eucharist, right? And so when you think about when, when God kicked Adam and Eve out of the garden um, after the fall, in Genesis chapter three, it says, lest they lay hold of the fruit of the tree of life and eating it live forever. So death was a means, and this is what J.R. Tolkien does so well in the Lord of the Rings, the doom of man, the elves thought like, so weird that God would let them die. Mm. But he realized that or they realized perhaps God has, you know, to nerd out sure. here. Um, there's something greater in that. And the doom of man, when, when you think about it, right? It was to ultimately one day give us a remedy, 
Mm-hmm. The God's remedies, uh, you know, the cliche, he writes straight with our crooked lines. So what did Jesus do? Well, he went to the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He went to the tree of death, the tree of evil, the tree of disobedience, but he was perfectly obedient. He was perfectly righteous, perfectly innocent. And because he's also God, he transformed that tree of death into the tree of life. And we who walk in death under the reign of sin and darkness, as Romans 5 says, can now lay hold of the fruit of the tree of life and live forever. And uh, what is the title of the podcast? What is it called? New Manna. New Manna. Okay, so in um, I walked the parish staff here at Ascension through some of the letters of the seven churches in the book of Revelation. Yeah. And one of them says that if you keep the faith with patient endurance, I think it was to Sardis, the church in Sardis, he says, you will eat of the hidden manna and uh, and the tree of life. Mm. And it's like that imagery it remains, like this understanding that this is the tree of life. Mm. This is the tree of life. And then when you get into John 6, he draws on all of the images yeah. of the Exodus, right? The bread that came down from heaven, the flesh for the life of the world, when the Son of Man is like, you have all yeah. these beautiful things. And it's like, yeah, like over and over again, in a real way, you can say that God was preparing Israel for two things, for three things, the incarnation, the passion and resurrection, and the Eucharist. And when you look in in Leviticus, the whole temple, we we don't like Leviticus, it's very procedural, Mm -hmm. but that was the holiness code of all of Israel. And everyone, like every Jewish boy who learned to read, learned to read Leviticus. That's actually how they taught them to read. Mm. And so you have all these different sacrifices, sin offering, guilt offering, the burnt offering. Mm -hmm. Jesus fulfills all those. Those are for atonement, to forgive our sins. But then there's another set of offerings called the cereal or grain offerings, Mm -hmm. and there's wine offerings. And whenever you get to those, it says for a memorial, not for an atonement. And when Christ is instituting the new Passover, right, he is the sin offering, but he's also the Passover lamb, but he's also the Yom Kippur lamb that cleanses us. He's all of these things, but he gives us the Eucharist mm-hmm. the as memorial. do this in memorial, in commemoration, or in memory. The, all three are contained within that Greek mm-hmm. word. Uh, what is it? Anamnesis. Mm-hmm. And they're all contained within it. And so it's like, yeah, the, the things that the ancient Israelites did to remember Yahweh, remember how he delivered us, remembered how he freed us from Egypt. I mean, that word anamnesis is in every ounce of the Old Testament. Remember what God did for you when he delivered you from the hand of Pharaoh. Right. Well, remember what Jesus did for us. Remember what God did for us when he delivered us from sin, death, the yeah. devil. And so it's like the Eucharist is the remedy because the Eucharist is what he did on the cross Mm -hmm. 2,000 years ago, represented in a memorial that we can then commune with. Mm. And so the new Christian Passover is all over the Gospels. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed, therefore let us keep the feast. Yeah, You know, nothing else matters. And so for me, when I see the relationship between the old and the new, my resolve crumbles. Yeah, You know, oh, it still looks like unleavened bread. It still looks like a, this wafer. And it's like, yeah, did you know wafers were used in the offering mm-hmm. of the of the daily lamb? And with that daily lamb gets to become our daily bread. Yeah. Like, it's amazing. Yeah, the bread of the presence. It's, hey, just, just read your Old Testament. Yeah. Yeah. You it's know, when over. they would walk by, so many pilgrims would come to Jerusalem mm. during the high holy feast days that they couldn't all Millions. come into the temple. Yeah. And so what they would do is they would take the loaves of the bread of the presence. Mm-hmm. Process around. Yeah. And they would take it and the, the high priest would hold it up and he would wave behold it in front salvation. of the people. Yeah. And he'd say, behold the face of God. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like what? The bread of the presence, yeah. the show bread, behold the face of God, behold your salvation. It's just bread. Yeah. Is it? Or is it foreshadowing the face of God? Can't do it much better than that, folks. Can't do it much better than that. <laughs> man, it's just like, man, if we, you can't make this up. Mm. You can't make this up. Like no. this is God's perspective, God's time. It's just like a, it's just a funny way. It's an oxymoron, like me saying God's time. Yeah. Um, it's, we couldn't have done it better ourselves. No. Had we tried and had some like conspiracy from... Like it just it's, it's just not possible how how this all clicks and makes sense. And Saint Augustine said that he said there only the divine wisdom could have given us the Eucharist. Yeah. And you think about when you start to see how many things align. Like my wife asked me something. But Father Mike Schmitz went through um, the Exodus uh, uh, when the people murmured against Moses. The first place they murmur 
is at Mirabah. And the waters are brackish. And they're like, oh, you brought us out here to die. We wish we would have died as slaves in Mm -hmm. Egypt. At least we, you know, and you're like, oh my gosh. You just walk through the Red Sea. And then what did God command Moses to do? He told him, he said, get a tree and throw it into the waters. Mm. And I will turn the brackish waters into sweet. And it's it's such a funny image and an interesting image. Like he didn't mm. say take a piece of wood. He said take the tree and throw it into the waters, and I will turn them sweet. Mm. And uh, and Mirabah becomes one of these recurring things. Like this is when you spoke against the Lord. Mm-hmm. Look what the Lord did. So it's funny if you think of the cross as the tree, right? Throwing the cross into the waters yeah. makes it something that's life giving as yet another sign and symbol of baptism and yeah. washing ourselves in the blood of the lamb and being made new and being cleansed and all of this stuff. And you're like, wow, he really was preparing for the future yeah. with all of these thousand events. And they come together in a seamless garment of, yeah. of faith. And I just want to shout out to our Eastern brothers and sisters out there who do this. Like they literally, to they, when they bless like large bodies of water, they, they yeet a giant cross into the lake i did not know that yeah oh the east so cool oh i love you guys so much yeah (laughs) well just to in you know in conclusion i just want to say thanks thank you for for being here and for saying yes to coming on um our humble podcast you're that pope francis listens to exactly right you know woes me woes me um (laughs) but yeah you've just been um instrumental in my in my life in my in my conversion and uh, I know countless others. So thanks for thanks for your yes to the Lord in all the ways that you have indeed said yes. Yeah, well, I'm humbled by that. Uh, you never know what the Lord is doing. Yeah. You never know. And the person who hears it, you know, th- this is the thing is we're all obsessed with an audience. Mm. When we don't know that we can, uh, Chesterton said it about motherhood. He's like, why do we want to be one thing to a million people when we can be uh, a million things to one person? You know, we can be someone's world as long as we let the Holy Spirit allow us yeah. to bear witness. So yeah. thank you. I appreciate it. And let that be a word of encouragement to all you out there that, uh, yeah, you never know what the Lord is doing. So um, put on the new man. Put yeah. on the new man and walk uh, humbly with the Lord, and um, you're going to transform the face of the earth. So, dear listener, thanks for tuning in today. This has been New Manna. God bless you. Bless you.